Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. church online hello prisons how are you doing today my name is phil hearing and if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet i'm the church online location pastor which simply means i get to champion all things online and i'm partly responsible in building community here at the c3 church before we continue i just want to pray uh, to start this preach Father God, I I just ask that you are here now with the people that are watching online and in prisons. May they get a deeper sense of what it is to draw close to you. May they hear a very precise word from you today that drops onto their heart. I I ask that you um, call call out to people and may they respond um, in uh, power, Jesus Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. So we are continuing our church online only series, which is called Living Like Jesus. And essentially it looks at key principles, what it is to live like Jesus in church. And today I'm going to be covering the topic of how to find life giving community. Before I start, I want to just say it's such a privilege to serve you in my role. I absolutely love working for church. I absolutely love serving people and every day finding a sense of what it is to follow God and Jesus in my life. And I absolutely love doing it. Thank you for this opportunity to to listen today as we continue this series. And so I'm going to dive straight in and I'm going to look at the calling of the disciples and make a comparison to church online and uh, prisons, the wider sense of church online. And I want to look at how diverse that group of people actually was and compare it to you out there. So first of all, we know that the 12 disciples was called in Luke 6, 13. And it says, when the morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. And in this society, it's not normal to follow a spiritual leader, to go town to town, teaching what that spiritual leader, that rabbi had to to teach on the Bible, as it was known back then, the Torah, and to pray and to really minister to people. If we were called to do that now, um, I I think some people would look at you and think, "Uh, what are you doing? But back then, uh, a rabbi would call people to follow them, to go town to town. And it was an honor to be called by a rabbi. Now, there, there is this idea that the 12 disciples were uneducated, and that actually comes from um, a verse in Acts uh, 4.13 that says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, these two disciples, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, this verse uh, can really lead us to, to make us think that the disciples were unschooled, as it mentions in this verse. Uh, But actually, that wasn't necessarily true. Uh, This verse is pointing to the fact that these men weren't actually spiritually trained, because it was more traditional uh, to be called into uh, a disciple to go and follow a rabbi if you had some training in it, at least. So that's why uh, it seems a bit strange that someone in our society could be called and they would follow a rabbi. So I want to look at 
this diverse uh, idea of who the disciples were, because some of them certainly would have been unschooled and uneducated. The fishermen, for example, they would have uh, potentially not fished for themselves. They would have been quite young. So I think there is this idea that that's what all the disciples were like. But we know that Jesus also calls a tax collector. In Matthew 9.9, Jesus uh, went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Uh, two points here. Uh, Matthew would have been fluent in several languages. He would have had to deal with uh, different types of people from different cultures. Uh, and my second point is it was so radical for Jesus to call a tax collector because they were so despised. They were really not liked in society. So not only was uh, Matthew potentially not uh, educated within a spiritual way or training, but he was also really not liked in society. It would have been really hard for some of the disciples to accept that Matthew was also a disciple. And I don't know about you, if you feel like uh, someone like a tax collector, unwelcome in society, unwelcome in community, uh, Jesus calls a tax collector and welcomes them into the twelve. So let's go on and look at the uh, other members of the, the 12 that might have been uh, unschooled or uh, anything else. So in Colossians 4.14, we know that Luke the doctor was also called. So uh, Luke was a doctor. We, we also know that later on, um, Joseph, who was a rich person who gave Jesus the robe and potentially brought the tomb of Jesus, was a council member. Now, we know that he wasn't part of the Twelve, um, but he was a rich man, part of a larger sense of uh, the disciples who were called by Jesus, who helped uh, the, the, that scenario of bankrolling Jesus' tomb. And that really leads me to the first point. It wasn't just the 12 that were, were called by Jesus. And it wasn't just the 12 that followed Jesus round from town to town. There was a bigger entourage of people, a bigger collection of people. In Luke 6, 17, it says, A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people, all from Judea and Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and, and Sidon. Uh, so there was a large uh, collection of people that followed Jesus around. We obviously know more about the 12 because they are written about and in the, the quiet times, the down times, they were with Jesus more often than the larger sense of the disciples that were called. And it wasn't just men. So we know it wasn't just the 12 that followed them around and included in this wider sense of disciples, but it was also women. And I really love um, this verse, Luke 8, 1 to 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from who seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of uh, Chusa, I think that's how you say that, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now Joanna actually um, she was an important figure in Herod's kind of entourage and she was with Jesus 
also helping them to support them out their own means. So it wasn't just the 12, and it wasn't just men, it was also women. And more excitingly, I think, that women disciples were at the beginning of church. They helped form church. Uh, this is a very exciting verse for me, Acts 1, 12, 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. We also know that women were present at Pentecost. Um, and uh, Peter says that on my service, servants, both men and women, I pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. I think this paints a, a wonderful picture of how diverse the, the, the early church certainly was. I think sometimes we can forget that how diverse it was. And I wanna make that comparison to us, like I, I've said, here at Church Online and the wider sense of prisons as well, we are a diverse community uh, from different parts of the country, different parts of the world tuning in today, thousands of you with different political leanings, different expectations, different backgrounds. Some of you might not feel like you are welcome. Some of you might feel like you do not belong. Uh, such a wide range of people. And I love that the star of church, as we see in Acts and the end of the gospel, is diverse, uh, just like church online is now. And I absolutely love that there are people uh, joining us on a Sunday, there are people catching up, there are people watching in prisons. Our church ministry, church online, is so varied and so, so, so different. And I, I think that's really cool. And I wanna say, this is my, my next point, we are made for community. I think at a, at a deep level, we all understand that we are called and are made for community. Uh, maybe you've had a struggle with that sense. Maybe you are like Matthew, a tax collector, and you feel like you don't belong into community and you uh, exclude yourself from community. But there is a sense, I think we understand deep down in all of us that we are made for community. And if I had more time, I would go further into this and break this down. But I, one, I think it's quite obvious uh, that we all understand at a deeper level, but I want to pull out two um, quotes from Margaret Wheatley that, that speak about community. This is the first one. If loneliness is the question, community is the answer. That's so, so powerful. Let me read that again. If loneliness is the question, community is the answer. And this is another quote that was inspired by her. Loneliness is not an affliction, but a lack of community power. Now, I don't know about you. Are you feeling lonely and disconnected from community today? There is something about community that, especially when you have a sense of empowerment, a role, a job, a duty, uh, when you're serving other people, that is so fulfilling and looks like could be a real clear answer to loneliness. That's not the only reason why we would do community, but I think certainly it's so easy in this day and age, especially online with how we do church, uh, not to be able to see someone, not be able to connect with someone and feel disconnected 
from community. Part of what I want to say is that uh, no matter where you are watching from, if it doesn't feel like you are watching with someone, you are in our community. You are part of what we're, we're doing. We're so happy to welcome you into that. I think that's really exciting. I think sometimes as well, we can get really caught up in this sense of how church should be. Church should look like this. We should do it like this. Uh, it could only be church if it looks like this. When in fact, we should really look at serving um, the mission and the how should always change. It should be radical. Jesus was so radical with how, who he called and when they called and why he called them into a sense of community. And we should really hold on to the sense of our how of we, us doing church should be changeable. Uh, it should be adaptable. Um, and I find that really exciting. There's a sense that the internet uh, demands a sense of being radical and different. Uh, and wherever there are people meeting together, I think we should form a uh, church around those collective groups. No matter how uh, different or odd uh, that, that formation might be, we should be looking uh, at being adaptable with the how of church. Uh, and my next point really is the fact that we are one body with many members and that you are needed in community because we are a body. Uh, we need each other to do community well. There's certain skills that I have that uh, are very helpful for someone. And if I wasn't in community, that person would feel that lack. Uh, and sometimes when doing church, I, I feel the absence of some people could be beneficial to the whole community. So don't count yourself out from community. Uh, Jesus certainly did, didn't, and uh, you certainly shouldn't as well. Um, and my final point before I start to land is this sense of community for some can be really difficult. And I want to teach, and here at C3 Church, we want to teach this sense of boundaries. Boundaries can be really helpful um, for, for people. See, I, I think that community can be conf confusing at church and church online especially because you actually want to love and you want to welcome and you want to talk to everybody. But some people at church should not be your friends. Some people are really like sandpaper and are really irritating. Actually, sometimes people have things to teach you um, that you should listen to. Maybe you should love someone at an arm's length. You should put a boundary in to, to say, I will love you from a distance, or I'm gonna talk to that person less because their attitude really affects me. Uh, this is not uh, any sense of negativity to do with building community. It's something that we should practice more and be open about and welcome uh, in church. You could always love someone from a distance if you need to think about your boundaries. And um, I, I think to answer and to land this preach of how to find life-giving community, it's about being intentional. It's about thinking uh, ahead and thinking about how you respond to people and how you welcome people um, from a, a sense of security. And these are three uh, things that I wanna highlight that I think that might help you um, in community. 
I could have picked so many, and I really want to take inspiration from, from Jesus, of course, uh, and I've picked three um, powerful traits that I think if we practice in a sense of community, uh, it could be life-changing, not only for you, but for the people around you. So here are those three practical things. My wife always wants to uh, make things practical. How can that be more practical? So this is uh, her voice uh, speaking in my head. So the first one, are you ready for this? Be patient with others. I'm going to uh, make that into a practical application for uh, church line and prisons, but that's really inspired. I've taken inspiration from Matthew 16, 5, 12. Um, and in this verse, which I think is absolutely hilarious, the disciples are going from one place to the next. I think they're tired. They've dealt with a lot. Uh, Jesus generally uh, is pretty radical and his ministry uh, is so intense and full on that I think the disciples have just switched off. And Jesus takes an opportunity to talk to the disciples in metaphor. He uses a story uh, to build them up and help them in their journey. Um, and he, he asks a question and the disciples come back with a classic line which is written in the Bible for all of history. Uh, is it because we didn't bring any bread. I absolutely love this. Have you ever at school uh, responded to a teacher and the teacher goes, you are so far on the mark. What are you talking about? Essentially, this is what Jesus uh, says to them. And I love that this is recorded because it just shows a, a sense of humanity of the disciples, a normalness uh, that sometimes if you're reading the Bible, uh, we can miss. But this is so funny that this is recorded. Is it because we didn't bring any bread? And of course, Jesus, as a teacher, says, what are you talking about? Have you guys even been listening? Do you get what I am saying? And ultimately, this happens again and again with the disciples. They're always misunderstanding. They're not on the same level as Jesus. Um, and Jesus is patient with them again and again and again. He picks himself up and goes again. So how can you be patient with others online? Maybe it's annoying uh, for that person to send that message to you in a certain way. Be patient with them. Um, maybe you, you just need to, to uh, take a deep breath before talking to someone. Um, be patient with others. Hopefully that's landed with you. This next one um, is a powerful one serve each other and this is taken from john 13 1 to 17 where jesus washes the disciples feet now the disciples feet they would have worn sandals they were walking around in an arid hot place very dusty and their feet would have been absolutely gross disgusting this job would have been typically done by a lower servant to wash someone's feet uh, as a spiritual leader, the leader of uh, this movement is so humbling, uh, slightly embarrassing. Um, but at the same time, there's a sense of God bowing down and serving us. When the disciples, again, they were thinking about themselves. They were thinking about how powerful I can be. Um, where is my place in society? I want to be great. And here's Jesus washing their feet. How powerful of an image is that? How can we serve each other online? If you see someone quite consistently and regularly, um, why don't you private message them and say hello? 
Why don't you connect with them? Introduce yourself. Tell, tell your story to them. Um, how, how about you relate to them and get to know them? Because in, in any other place, that's what we would do as well. So why don't you do that online? Serve someone by um, opening up a communication channel. Uh, and I want to encourage you to do that, not only in the chat, but if someone prays in the chat for Church Online, I would love for you to pray for them there and then. I want you to, to go right at it. You have permission. If Church Online is just prayer, everyone praying over uh, each other in the chat, I think that would be brilliant. Serve each other. At prisons, how can you be warm and welcoming and serve each other? Think about that. So the first one was be patient with others. The second is serve each other. And this final one, which I've been trying to live out in my life and has been very powerful in my life, um, and I'm going to push further into to this, is show grace show grace now grace is a really interesting word um, and in luke 5 27 to 32 um, i've used the example of the calling of levi now levi was another uh, tax collector uh, and jesus not only calls him but eats with the tax collectors which is so radical um, they were so despised not just one but a whole collection of them and they seemed to to have a, a banquet, a party together, the spiritual leaders looking in would have really thought, what is going on? And Jesus replies, hey, these are the people that really need me. Again, this sense of Jesus being radical and ignoring the norms of the, the time and calling Levi. Jesus, in this example, shows extreme grace. He did not have to spend time with Levi. He did not have to call him, but he did against the run of society, against everyone else's opinion, you shouldn't be hanging that person, he did. And that's so powerful. And I wanna look at the word grace here, because the word grace, I believe, um, in Hebrew is unmerited favor. Jesus shows unmerited favor to us today in how he died on the cross for our sins so that we may know God, unmerited favor you did not merit that at all and sometimes in the bible unmerited favor and grace looks like a, a jewel a gift um, that you do not do do not earn you do not uh you do not you, you you do not deserve that gift but how amazing is it that god gives that gift to us unmerited favor how can you show unmerited favor to the people around you in community how can you have a posture of welcoming people with unmerited favor being ready to give that out hey nice to meet you my name's tom here's some unmerited favor i'm gonna cook you a meal i'm gonna have a chat you are not liked i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna talk to you right now and welcome you into this sense of community and those are my uh, three main things that I want to encourage you and challenge with you in this season as you seek to find a deeper sense of community. And may, may I just say that if you do not feel welcome in a, a community, that is not necessarily true. I want you to fight that, that feeling that you are a tax collector and society uh, wants to reject you. Because Jesus, the church, welcomes you in to that deeper sense of community. And in this season, why don't you 
practice these three things. Be patient with others, serve each other, and show grace to each other. I want to end in praying. First of all, I want to pray if you uh, need a sense, a deeper sense of community. And I also want to pray if you never uh, received God, uh, that you might be able to do that today. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you call us into community, that you want to empower us. You want us to connect uh, each one of us together today, Jesus. I pray that we get a a deeper sense of calling into that uh, community calling and that we will respond by serving each other, by being patient with each other, by showing grace. Father, may we practice these things and really love and accept and welcome people uh, around us into community. Great. If that's if that's you, I, I would love to hear uh, a response from you in the chat, or maybe send us a letter. And secondly, if you do not know uh, what what it is to live in community or to know Jesus, I would love to pray for you to accept Jesus into your life today. So Jesus, I, I just pray, um, Father, uh, say this uh, prayer with me, Father. I'm so sorry that I have lived my own way. Jesus, I want to live in your way, a way that is better for me. I want to know you and come into relationship with you and know God. Jesus, I accept you into my life today. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that for the first time, well done. That is an amazing decision. We would love to celebrate with you, maybe give you a gift um, and actually pray for you. Say yes in the chat or maybe send us a direct message or a letter if you have responded to that. And we would love to celebrate with you. Apart from that, that is me today. Hopefully you feel um, a deeper sense of calling to community, to be intentional with community and put in some hard work to be patient, to serve each other and to show grace. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.